very warm welcome to all our listeners. And um, you're listening to Radio Maria. This is Just Life. And um, today I have the uh, pleasure of interviewing, or or hearing from rather, a um, a man who's undertaking quite a uh, exciting and um, very courageous and and daring voyage um, in the true sense of the word. His name is Russ Fairman, or Russell Fairman, is that right? Yeah, Russ is good. Yeah, and uh, um, we just spoke a, a few days ago. I heard about this journey that he's going on, um, where he will be sailing around England. And um, Russ is going to tell us a little bit about this journey, a little bit about why he's doing this. But before that, I'd like to hear just where are you right now, Russ? Well, I'm not sitting on a boat right now, Tim. I'm actually sat in my study looking out of a, a drizzly, rainy window in Southampton. Southampton. And uh, I live down a, a part of the world that's on a peninsula, actually, called the Hamble Peninsula. And it's on a river where the boat is, and uh, it looks out onto the silence. So it's quite a beautiful area. Lovely. Oh, that's great. Yes, I, too, have spent um, a fair amount of time on a very different peninsula down in South Africa on the... Um, between the two oceans uh, in Cape Town, which you and I were talking about just before we started broadcasting. Yeah, um, fabulous place. And um, tell us a little bit about yourself before we, we start talking about this this journey that you're on. Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Russ Fairman. I live in Southampton. I'm married to Deirdre. We've been married for over 40 years, and uh, we have five children, and uh, I have 12 grandchildren and one on the way. My um, I'm a convert to Catholicism. Um, my wife's been a Catholic all of her life, and uh, that's been a wonderful journey for me. So that was a, a 30 year ago event, really, that took place actually during one of Billy Graham's outreaches. I'd just gone to pick her up from a church. We only had one car at the time, and uh, neighbours were babysitting, and I stood at the back, and uh, Billy Graham said, uh, I'm calling you. But he was actually speaking to 300,000 people, but I took it to be me personally, and uh, I stepped forward. I think my wife's jaw dropped to the ground. But I've been very active in the church since, and uh, I'm on the National Board of Marriage and Counsel, which is a joy with my wife. Um, I'm involved in healing on the streets here in Southampton, and uh, I'm also part of the Men's Harvesters Network, which is a, a wonderful uh, event that we put on for, for guys. And um, the other thing I'm involved in is the Charismatic Renewal. I'm on the National Board of Charis for England and Wales. Hmm. I mean... Every single one of the things that you've just mentioned are things which I feel like we could spend a morning, if not more, talking about, um, and that's a hint that we might just do that. But um, today we're going to be talking about a, a voyage that you've been planning, and, and we're very interested to hear about this. Um, where are you going to be going, why are you going to be doing it, what you're going to be taking with you, and... Um, but I wonder before you begin that, if you wouldn't mind just starting with a prayer for us, Russ. Oh, that would be that would be a delight, Tim. So thank you, listeners, for for joining our little session this morning, and uh, thank you, Lord, for Radio Maria and for this opportunity to to gather in Your name. And I just pray, Lord, that uh, in this talk this morning, that um, Your Holy Spirit will be with us, prompting us with what it is that um, You want us to focus on this morning to be able to convey the beauty of your creation to people, to convey that you do place dreams on our hearts. And these dreams lead us into purposeful lives, Lord, intentional lives 
that are Holy Spirit led. So Lord, we just pray that in some way this morning we'll be inspired to let go a little bit more of our own will, Lord, and surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to hand over to you and um, allow you to speak to the listener about this uh, this next chapter of your uh, following the Lord. Go for it, Russ. Thank you, Tim. Well, I know, Tim, that you're from South Africa because you said this is a round England sailing trip, and that's quite hard to do, so it's actually a round <laughs> Britain event. Uh, <laughs> you can cut across the uh, across Britain to uh, the Caledonian Canal. I've done that too. But, uh, yeah, this has taken us right round Britain and um, right on the top. So we don't actually go round the Shetland Islands, but we do come round the top of Scotland through a very infamous um, sound called the Pentland Firth, which uh, was so notoriously bad for sail ships that they actually created the Caledonian Canal to make it safer. But the project took so long that uh, in the duration of constructing that uh, Caledonian Canal, it actually brought in steam and uh, that enabled them to, to cross at faster speeds and uh, made the whole thing redundant. But yeah, it's, um, it's a wonderful thing that we're doing. We're traveling around the whole of Britain, starting in Southampton, with a, a little ceremonial service on the 29th of April at St. Joseph's in Southampton, setting sail with a crew, and um, we're going to be visiting over 50 ports, and we'll have as many crew changes. So the whole idea, really, of this endeavour is to celebrate Stella Maris. Um, Stella Maris is a ship-visiting organisation. It's one of the biggest ship-visiting organisations globally, and they do just such tremendous work. Um, our country doesn't operate without seafarers. The, our fuel, our food, our economy, our trade is brought in by tens of thousands of ship movements every week. And it's just phenomenal how much work goes into that. And it's unseen, really. And that industry is uh, populated with seafarers from all over the world, many of whom uh, are paid quite poorly. Um, they're at sea for over nine months. The boat turnarounds are very quick and um, their communications are not so easy back home. So Selimaris provide welfare. Uh, they also do uh, discussions really with ship management if there's problems with crew that don't really say much about those problems in fear of losing potential work in the future. So it's an amazing organisation and I'm very pleased to be celebrating them. Uh, this is their 100th anniversary just gone we planned to do this trip uh, just before covid which was the actual anniversary but um covid came in and this kind of endeavor wouldn't have been possible so this really is the the first opportunity that we've had to to embark on this trip it was the vision of um a couple of the directors at stella maris to celebrate their 100th anniversary with some kind of sea voyage and um I've done such a voyage before for an organisation called Celebrate back in 2019. And that was an absolute joy. There was a book written about it by a chap called John McKenna, actually. And um, they approached me and said they'd like to undertake such a, uh, an endeavour, really, to celebrate their own 100th anniversary. But I uh, had no clue on how this could be done and how it will be pulled together. Well, we started discussions. The Holy Spirit kind of took me away with it a little bit and that re-inspired me to perhaps want to do this again. And in discussing it with my wife, and she said that, uh, well, if, if the Lord is really putting this on your heart, then it's something you should do. And Diddy was very supportive of me, which was fabulous. So things moved on. And over the last couple of years, letting COVID dissipate, we've now decided that we'd go ahead with this. 
and um, we're moving it ahead. So how this will work really is, is that um, the boat will set sail and go into the various ports around Britain and crew Stellamaro's supporters from each of those ports will accompany me and uh, journey onto the next port. And we've got a replica of the Stellamaris icon, which is a beautiful um, icon of Our Lady. Stellamaris is a Marian organization. And um, this icon actually at the moment is doing a world cruise, a world circumnavigation with trustee John Hood from Stellamaris. And just by coincidence, he brings that back in time for me to then take it with various crew around Britain. And um, like all things that um, the Lord is behind, doorways just open, um, God instances occur. And uh, this whole endeavor really has been possible because of um, various things that uh, have opened up for me. So, yeah, we'll be taking the icon a little bit like a, a baton, passing that from port to port. And each of the ports will have celebrations and um, supporters will be gathering i'm sure welcome us to the uh into their harbor and uh, we'll have little services and uh, teas arranged by stella maris well we'll talk a little bit about stella maris and we'll pray and um the voyage will continue and um we'll be taking in uh, many places and um, but of course we won't be having large celebrations at each of the ports that would be too much so there's about 18 different places that uh, we'll be holding celebrations. Obviously, at the start in Southampton, at St. Joseph's, which is great. And then uh, we'll be sailing on to Dover, where John Fogarty, the chaplain for that part of the world of Stellamaris, has kindly liaised with um, a couple of bishops, actually, auxiliary bishop that wants to, uh, to get involved and join in. And uh, we'll have some wonderful celebrations at Dover. Some of the schools are interested, too. Uh, the ships have a, a system called AIS, which is a tracking system. So the kids can track the voyage as uh, we journey around Britain. And um, there's a website that contains the AIS number for our boat, which is called Mintaka. It's a sailboat of 34 foot length and sleep six, but four comfortably. And uh, the children are going to track us round and then they'll see us coming in. But I think part of the uh, the exercise of tracking the boat with Stella Maris is that the children will see how many ship movements are taking place. If you just look at the AIS system now on Vessel Finder, for example, you'd see in the middle of the Atlantic, it's like an ant's nest of boats bringing food, bringing fuel, taking uh, the goods that we've created here abroad for our economy, bringing goods back into us. And so I think it will raise the children's awareness of the importance of the maritime industry for us um, here in the UK, being an island nation. So the voyage will continue from um, around from Dover. We'll go into the Thames Estuary, going to Gravesend. And um, we've very kindly been given access to stay on the old pier, which is the oldest wooden pier in Britain. And we'll be tied up there for the celebration in Gravesend. Then we'll continue on to um, East Anglia. We're pulling into Harwich. Felixstowe, of course, is a very important port for the country in Stella Maris. And uh, the uh, the pontoon we're using is called Halfpenny at uh, at Harwich. And that, that's a really significant place. It was the, uh, the captain of the Matthew, Pilgrim Fathers, of course, was uh, the ship was actually purportedly built there too. But uh, that's where he came from and uh, there's a lot of maritime history in Harwich. 
then a, a real joy for me is that uh, we continue on round East Anglia into Walsingham. And a good friend of mine, Rick, Rick Jones, is the, the deacon at uh, Walsingham. And he's very kindly put together a whole program for us on our visit into Walsingham. We'll be pulling into Wells next to sea if the sea is kind enough. Uh, if it's not, we'll be turning around the corner into Kings Lynn. But either way, we'll be at Walsingham for um, a very wonderful pilgrims uh, service at four o'clock. And then at six o'clock in the evening, we're having an event for Stella Morris supporters where we'll walk from Walsingham into the town and we're meeting other pilgrims there which is going to be a delight actually rick wants to take the um the statue of our lady onto the boat and uh he wants to to do that by way of a blessing for us for the crew to continue on their journey and i've uh, persuaded rick to to sail with me up to grimsby which wasn't so hard because um rick actually is from grimsby and um, we'll be sailing into there into fish dock fish dock number one and we've very kindly been accommodated by the Humber Cruising Association Association in Fishdock. So Selamaris do support seafarers as well as fishers. And uh, that's going to be a very important stop um, for me. For me personally, actually, I started my career in life as a, a civil engineer. And I was working on the M180, the Immingham uh, motorway that comes back into the uh, alongside the Humber. And uh, Deirdre and I stayed on Cleethorpe's Beach. I think it was uh, Static Home number 1400. So <laughs> remember that very well. In fact, it had a, a cracked skylight and uh, we slept with a, uh, a little washing up bowl between us. So uh, I'll have fond memories of going back into uh, to Grimsby, and uh, which is right next door to Cleethorpe's. And then the journey continues and we come up the Northumbrian coast and um, go into some beautiful holy places. Uh, we'll be visiting Lindisfarne, of course, and uh, that's just after we've gone into Blythe. Blythe Yacht Club have um, embraced us and uh, very kindly holding a, a little event for us on one of their evenings. It's actually their race night, so there should be a lot of people around and give us a chance to witness a little bit to the Lord and explain what we're about. But um, that was very kindly set up by Chaplain Paul Atkinson, who's in the area, and um, that'll be great. And there is a possibility of boats to escort us along the coast if they want to. Many of the supporters of Stella Morris come from a maritime background and I'm sure that boats will be joining us along the way and um, I want to anchor in something called the Kettle which is um, in a farm just off of Linda's farm before I go into Linda's farm and um, a big part of this whole pilgrimage for me is which I'll explain a little bit more later is really to reflect on our Celtic ancestry um, much of what the Celts did the monastic Celts, certainly going back to the likes of um, Columba over at Iona and then Cuthbert, of course, and Aidan up at uh, Lindisfarne, was to settle in coastal areas. And um, I've reflected a lot on why that would be. I, I certainly have got an amazing spiritual experience by praying at sea and um, being close to God. I think it's the same for people who like to do hill walking or mountaineering. It's a very thin place, I would describe, you know, where heaven meets earth. And um, we do find beautiful things and boundaries. You know, heaven and earth coming together is a boundary in which we want to live. And uh, the coast, particularly, more than out at sea, I do a lot of offshore sailing, but um, the coast is the beauty where we've got the land alongside and uh, we've got the sea joining that. And it, for me, it's a very spiritual place. And it was for the Celts, too. So 
I don't think it's any coincidence that um, they chose to make their homes and embark on their evangelization, really, of our country um, as it was forming to base themselves in God's creation in these thin places. So we'll experience that, too, as crew. Uh, we'll come into these various holy sites and uh, we'll be touched by that. Uh, this is going to be uh, a fun endeavor. It's going to be a celebration, but it's going to be a very holy and spiritual um, experience too for the crew that join me. And um, we'll be praying as we go along the coast. We'll be praying for the ports, for the seafarers, of course, because that is our main intercessory reason for, for doing this sailing pilgrimages to support Salamaris. But people who come with me will be very conscious of what goes on back in their own towns poverty that exists right now because of the economic situation um the fact that um a lot of young people feel lost there's anxiety uh, we've seen people not really embracing um faith at the moment and and finding themselves without foundation and we'll be praying into that as we go on the coast and it's it's an amazing experience to do that from a boat there's many uh, situations in scripture where the lord set off in a boat and um the, the the disciples that he took with him of course would have experienced uh, being with the lord on the sea in god's creation um at the mercy of the um the weather of course and uh, that puts you in a position of vulnerability which is where the lord wants us to be he wants us to be in a place of vulnerability where we push the boundaries where we push the boat out where we have to rely uh, on him and um i think you know in scripture there's a great example isn't there where the storm comes over and Jesus is just reclining asleep in the boat and uh, the disciples have done all they can to to try and secure this this vessel but they're getting swamped and they wake him and uh, they rebuke him almost that uh, he's allowing them to get into this situation and slightly in despair he he calms the sea down and says did you not know that I am with you so I think the Lord wants us to to push boundaries and to come out of our comfort zone so that we're not doing things on our own strength that we rely on him and I certainly see this in the Celtic um, uh, fathers that we we have here to to draw inspiration from these Celtic saints, that they too put themselves in these remote places, these these vulnerable places, and they immerse themselves very harmoniously with the uh, the environment, which is often quite harsh, as you as you know, on the coast. So we'll be tracking along some very ancient routes, and um, on the Facebook page, the sailing pilgrimages page that I've created for this trip. Uh, which uh, I really urge you to take a look at. There's a lot of great content there. And the whole way from Southampton all the way around Britain through the, the Western Isles, back down the Irish Sea to Northern Ireland, takes in the um, many, many routes that uh, the pilgrims took that uh, they saw was necessary to travel on to experience the the pilgrimage blessing, really. So as we start from Southampton, we track along the old way, which is not so ancient. I mean, it's still 1300s, but that was uh, a pilgrimage route that um, was done really to honour Thomas Beckett. And uh, Europeans were coming across to Southampton and then journeying along the South Downs Way. And um, that uh, takes us around to, to Canterbury, where we journey on. So each of the, um, the coastal paths that we travel along, um, I've got really... Um, a travelogue for that for the people that journey with me and we'll be reflecting on those saints on those pilgrims that journeyed the same routes that we're doing so it's going to be an absolutely joyful experience for those that join me and 
I think we'll take a little break now for a song. And um, after that, I'd like to talk a little bit more about what it is that people will be experiencing on this sailing pilgrimage. What is it that they really be getting from this and, and why are we doing it? So, Tim, if I could pass back to yes. you for a moment to take us into a little bit, a little song and then we'll uh, we'll come back again after that. Thank you, Russ. Um, this is Just Life and we've been talking to Russ Fairman about his uh, voyage around Britain on a boat and um, why he's doing it and just the amazing kind of journey that it looks like it's going to be. Um, here is... Um, so Will I by Hillsong Worship. God of creation, there at the start before the beginning of time. No point of reference You spoke to the dark And fleshed out the wonder of light And as you speak
This is Radio Maria and you are listening to Just Life and we have been hearing about the um, upcoming voyage of Russ Fairman um, who will be sailing around Britain and um, during that music break Russ and I were talking about the Iona, um, the history of, of how Christianity came into to England through these uh, these monastic settlements on remote islands and um and Russ is going to kind of zoom in on on that a little bit now in this next part of the talk so over to you again Russ yes thanks to well just hearing out the last words of that song there where the wind blows you know where will god wills it then so will i and um that really is for me quite a special thing as i reflect on some of the the monastic life that um, was undertaken by the Celts. And Tim and I were just talking during the song there that uh, many of us live, as I do, very domestic life. And I have my um, church attendance and I have other activities. But, um, you know, I do seek still elements of this monastic life because I think it's it's a calling for all of us, not just those in religious life to, to seek that, but all of us. But I'm inspired by how that really took place with the Celts and why they did it. So if we look at um, people like uh, Columba, who um, sailed back over from, from Ireland in, in virtually in a coracle, I think there was just nine of them in the boat, and, um, and they found their way really at the, at the mercy of the wind, and they went where God took them was really what they were doing, and um, they fell onto the the island there and um, they formed a monastery over time on Iona which the boat will visit it's um, up in the uh, the small isles area as they call it of the inner Hebrides and um, it's a very very special place and uh, you, you feel it being some sort of spiritual ground really as, as, as you pray over it and near it it's, it's a wonderful thing but my reflection really on why was it that people like Cuthbert, who were clearly an amazing church planters and evangelists, chose at times to take themselves off? Well, we find in Scripture that the Lord needed to do that too. He needed to recharge those batteries. He needed to be alone with God. And he took himself off. He didn't just retire to his bedroom um, or, or, or sit in the church, did he? He took himself up into to high places, to hills, uh, just to be with God, to to really lay things out to him and listen to God in those places. So in areas, uh, sorry, in, in locations that some of these Celtic saints chose to base themselves on, such as at Lindisfarne, Holy Island, Cuthbert um, had established um, 
a community there, which was um, a wonderful community, really. And they were using their skills to help the poor. And it was quite striking for the people in the area. But he needed to find that remoteness. He needed to find that uh, time with God. And there was a little small rocky outcrop virtually that just sits off of uh, Linda's farm where he would go and, and pray for long periods, he even stood in the sea at night, uh, right through in the night in the cold water, um, wanted to feel that empathy with creation. Um, and of course, we, we read in Genesis that there was that um, that great falling out, really. And um, but also there was a falling out with um, with with nature as we were sort of banned really from aspects of the garden. But in our salvation, we call back in, I feel, to reconnect at a deep spiritual level with with creation, with nature. And uh, obviously the likes of Cuthbert felt that need in that um, salvation, that reconciliation made possible through Jesus to, to find that um, reconnection, that um, that lost connection with nature. So I think uh, all of us have probably got our own stories of pilgrimages that we've done. I did the um, pilgrimage route into San Diego de Compostela with my wife Deirdre with some friends. We did the last hundred miles of that and uh, that was incredible. We just journeyed along and um, found ourselves out there sometimes, not particularly um, with people that with a great deal of faith, but in those in that environment, in strolling along, in God's creation, moving, journeying, we found ourselves talking about deeply spiritual things and um, there's, there's there's no way that you can you can have that experience i feel completely wholesomely unless you're really connected with nature so that really is um my calling is to find that spiritual spiritual um, connection with the lord in creation with people in prayer so i just want to give you some sort of examples of that we embarked on a similar journey to this in 2019 for celebrate and like this journey i've invited people just randomly off of um supporter bases through um through facebook and and through through social media just to invite people to come with me and uh, there was a chap that uh, contacted me from scotland he had a mancunian accent and he asked to come on the uh, on the journey with me and he wanted to to come uh, on one of the remoter parts and uh, I said, well, that would be a delight to, for, for you to join me. He said, but I have a past. I have a history. I spent time in prison and uh, I found the Lord during that time. And um, I've now come away from that life. And I have to be in Scotland to be away from Manchester because what I was involved in. Now I've come out of um, that life. I, I'm now perhaps vulnerable um, because of what I know. And um, I need to put myself in a safe place. So he also said he's rather large, um, which I had to qualify with him. And he, he didn't mean fat. He was just huge. <laughs> he was an ex-gangster. And um, we set off from Oban on our own, waiting for two other chaps from Glasgow to join us. And we went into uh, Tobermory. And I felt the Lord speaking to me, saying, I don't want you to go into Tobermory at this point. And we anchored off underneath a waterfall and a grace fell on the boat. It was the Lord's grace as we were praying together, praying for Tobermory, praying for what we were about to do, which was to do some street outreach in Tobermory. And then that, the chap I was with then said, are we going in? And I said, no, the Lord's saying not. You can, When you're out praying at sea, as we're going to be doing, you hear God's voice clearer and clearer. And it was clear to me that I wasn't to go in there. I didn't know why. And I found the urge, the prompting of the Holy Spirit to come away from Tobermory. We just spent the whole morning getting there to come across the sound of Mull and anchor in a cove. Got into the cove and started to pray again. And I thought, oh, this must be a mistake. The midge were everywhere, but they weren't coming onto the boat. But um, I took that as a sign. Um, and then 
the chap I was with said, are we going to now go back into Tobermory? And I said, no, we need to stay further. At that point, all I can say is that this kind of white light fell onto the boat. The grace that we experienced under the waterfall outside Tobermory fell on us. And I honestly can say that the Lord got on the boat with us. We were on our knees. It happened for uh, a minute, no more. Uh, the light kind of passed and we we're in floods of tears. I've only met this man for 12 hours. He'd been in prison for a very long time, a, a, a deep, dark story. And um, we were just sobbing. We didn't know why, but both of us knew what we just experienced was of the Lord and a deep presence. And uh, and then we continued our journey. At the end of the week together, he gave me a little prayer book. Many of you may know it called the Pieta, wrapped up with gaffer tape, silver gaffer tape. And he gave it to me. And um, I knew this was the book that took him through prison and he'd been journeying with. He has to pray every day all the time because the, the devil points to him and says that what you've done in life, you're not worthy of God's love. You're not worthy of a life. People hate you for what you've done to people. Um, he gave me this prayer book. And I said, no, I can't. I can't accept this. This is this is so special to you. He says, I don't need this anymore. So the Lord getting on that boat with this chap and I was not really for me, was it? That was to let this guy know that he was completely loved by him as um, as his son. And uh, I was had the privilege of um, being with that chap at that time when it happened. Of course, I took the blessing as well. So the sea can have a profound effect on you in prayer such as this. And I think this is what the Celtic saints were, were experiencing. And that's what people that journey with me will be able to experience as we pray as we go along the coast. So, Tim, you said um, you wanted to play a little bit more music before we invited uh, people to speak to us. Is there any other aspects of the journey that you'd like me to call out before we go into our next song and then open the lines up to, to other people? Yes. Um, well, I just uh, want to say that story was really quite remarkable and, and very amazing. I'm very I'm curious to know uh, what is perhaps one of the most... Um, uh, nerve-wracking or fearful times that you've had on at sea and um how have have you come through that like maybe an experience of of feeling god's closeness in a time of danger because you've said um earlier on in this broadcast you talked about um how when we go out into these places where we have to rely on god then that's when we feel closer to him and uh, is there a a moment that sort of sticks out in your mind of being quite uh, where, where you had to deal with some kind of fear because of, of the situation at sea. Yeah. <laughs> I've been standing a long time, so it's, it's hard to connect with fear very easily for me. But um, obviously my concern is for the, the other people on the boat. But um, there were a couple of times uh, on, on the last trip that I did that um, got to, uh, got uh, quite, uh, I wouldn't say in, in fear of life, but um, we had to be really focused to, to come through it. So there was uh, a storm that hit us, 45 mile an hour winds that, that came across. It was uh, what they call a squall. So it was really an unforecasted uh, event. And that tore into the boat. And we had uh, a lot of sail up at the time, which didn't give us the time to... Uh, to, to reef down in time before this um, this this front really hit us that spanned the boat around 180 degrees and sped us off in the wrong direction there was a, a risk with so much sail up that could have brought the mast down and um, in those situations um, you can either freeze in panic or you can take action 
And uh, it's at those times when I really pass things over to the Lord and say, placing this into your hands, Lord. And then I, I receive like a peace as I work through the action and um, and then deal with the situation. But I think the that wasn't frightening so much for me as just something to deal with, but I knew it would have been for the crew. Um, the time that I do get uh, slightly frightened is in fog. So at this time of the year that we're going, we can get um, the easterly winds that, that um, come in and they can bring fog because of the sea temperature is still cold. And uh, that does sometimes create that situation, particularly around pe people like uh, places like Peterhead. And um, last time we were up there, we were in such thick, thick uh, fog that you couldn't see more than a boat length ahead. Mm. And um, whilst we've got systems on the boat to see other vessels, um, we rely heavily on the IAS system. A lot of the fishing boats don't use that. They don't like to be uh, let the other fishermen know where they are, where they're catching the fish, etc. So it's uh, something that they, they quite often turn off. So... Um, yeah, that, that um, is, is a dangerous time. But I wanted to just call out one incident, Tim, that I think uh, the listeners mm. might find interesting. The boat has a self-steering system. And uh, because I sail almost solo, but having to look after crew as well, um, I rely on this self-steering system because we're traveling for um, you know all day long. And uh, that's quite exhausting. So you have to turn this self-steering system on so I can go forward, reduce sails and do things. And it started to fail. And um, this was going to scupper a trip that I was undertaking where I'd set a schedule of dates. And um, just by coincidence, which is never a coincidence, these things are always godly. My wife was coming up to see me in Bristol and uh, we would planned to park up at the Arno Feeney Centre in the middle of July, one of the most prestigious tourist spots in Bristol. They very kindly give us this to uh, uh, make a bit of a show of the boat. And um, she was coming up to see me and there was a broken part in the self-steering gear and she was babysitting for my son. And it just happened that this, this bearing that I needed was um, actually right next to the place where she was visiting our son for this babysitting. So she came up with a bearing. Thank you, Lord. That's wonderful. I tried everything to get this uh, bearing on the shaft. I was whacking it, hitting it, heating it, using all my engineering skills. And, um, and Dury's saying to me, look, I've come to see you. You're away for three months. This was a three-month voyage. And this, I'm only going to see you two times. Can we go and do something? And I'm saying, oh, I don't fix this. I can't really continue the, the, the voyage. I just couldn't get this thing on. And then she said, have you tried praying? And I thought, well, that's an obvious thing to do on a pilgrimage, isn't it? <laughs> so uh, I sat on the boat and we uh, we prayed. And the, it instantly came to me that I'm to go into this bar, which is, can you imagine, at lunchtime on the Arno Feeney Centre in Bristol, and walk up to the bar and ask for a, uh, a machined piece of drift to be created that I pass through the bulkhead to sit on a bearing so it's exactly 90 degrees square to drive it onto a shaft. It's a, you know or, or like an engineering tool made of wood. And he said to me to go into this, this pub and ask for it. So I queued up the bar. It was two or three deep. Got to the bar, a series of barmen, bar girls behind there, uh, came for, yeah, what, what would you like? I said, well, I don't want to drink now. Um, I'm asking for a piece of machined wood that's of these dimensions that's almost laser cut 90 degrees on the ends as a drift to drive a bearing on, expecting just to be told to in expletives to, to get out of the pub. And he said, how do you know to ask me? And I said, well, I'm on a prayer mission. And the Lord said to me to come and ask you. He said, did you know that we have a woodworking class going on in our workshop behind the pub that we rent out? I said, no, not at all. He went in there and within a few minutes, I brought back a machine piece of wood. I went back to the boat, 
hit the bearing and it went, went onto the shaft in, in a second. And then Deary and I went off for the hour that we had together before the evening celebration with the supporters of Celebrate. So it was just an example of something going wrong, that listening to the Lord, doing something that seemed bizarre, but acting in faith on it and then finding a result to come through it. So fear, I think, is overcome by placing trust in the Lord and then going with whatever he asks you to do in faith, really. Well, that's incredibly encouraging and, and fascinating story, Raz. Thank you for sharing it. Um, we're going to go to the song break, as, as we mentioned. Here is Amazing Grace by Chris Tomlin. Radio Maria, and you are listening to Just Life. 
I'd love to hear a little bit about the icon that you are taking with you on this journey, on this voyage rather. And um, for for people for whom icons are not really such a, uh, a familiar way of of expressing their devotion, maybe you can say a few words about that for us. Yeah, well, it's, I do a lot of ecumenical work and some of my... Um, Brothers and sisters in, in other denominations, uh, they struggle a little bit, to, maybe with misunderstanding of of how we honour Our Lady, and um, and they think that we pray to her in a way that is is worship. But of course, Our Lady points to the Lord all the time, and um, many people um, have a particular devotion to Our Lady, and Stella Maris is uh, as, has her as their as their patron saint, really. Um, and many people who went to sea years ago knew their vulnerability acutely and uh, felt that uh, it was really important to them to have an intercessor with the Lord that uh, they could really call upon. You know, and Mary is the greatest intercessor. So the icon that we're taking is an image. It's a painted image of um, of Our Lady, and it's a replica of Stella Maris's main icon that they have, which is in London, which is too fragile to to, to carry on the boat. And fear of damage so we'll be taking this this icon as a way of focusing ourselves on jesus and um this is a a ring of intercessory prayer that we're placing around britain it's a big old hug that we're placing a prayer hug around our nation for healing of many things and we'll be calling upon our lady to in that intercession because she is a wonderful intercessor she is the principal intercessor really that we have um in the holy family that um as we as we discover in Cana, where Mary says, "Do do as uh, as he asks," and um, so I think the icon is going to be quite symbolic, really, because this is an intercessory prayer, and Mary is all about intercession, isn't she? And uh, she points to the Lord, so it's going to help us to focus on Jesus by taking this icon with us. It's a beautiful image, and uh, it'll be displayed on the bulkhead down below. So the meals are a wonderful time on the boat. And they will sit around and we'll eat at night when we're tied up and the icon will be there. And we'll, we'll, be, we'll be praying and reflecting and thanking God for keeping us safe in the day, but also expressing the joys. And there'll be lots of laughter around the table in the prayer time too, I'm sure, joyfully. And, and Mary will be there uh, with us in the form of the icon. So uh, we'll be asking for her intercession. And um, I think it's great that we're passing that icon from port to port to give that sense of unity between the various supporter bases of Stella Maris. So I just wanted to say to him that um, this is open to anybody to come on this voyage, open to anybody to get involved in the quayside celebrations that are going to be a lot of fun. And uh, you can connect with me by going through to the website sailingpilgrimages.co.uk and um, my contact details are all available there. So if this is something you fancy doing for a day, for a couple of days and there's a, a space available for that, that to happen still which we have spaces left then drop me a line we can discuss that but um you may also like to get involved in the quayside celebrations which uh, also are going to be a joy a real joy i feel to celebrate the um the work of stella maris so when you say that people can get involved are you are you actually saying that a person could come on a leg of the voyage with you on the boat they absolutely can. And you don't need any sailing experience, just uh, a certain level of agility. Age is no limit, by the way. Uh, there's people come with me that um, uh, are in almost octogenarians, so uh, wow. that age is not a concern. But um, what you do need to do is be uh, agile enough just to move around the boat and uh, to at least be enjoying the outdoor life still 
um, to be at because you are in the in the elements here on the boat. But you don't need sailing experience. You don't need to be super fit. Um, you're in safe hands. I do. I'm a, f- a professional skipper. I'm a commercial skipper, and I work for the Rona Sailing Project, taking out groups of uh, children uh, for week on end, and um, we take out drug and alcohol rehabilitation on that trip to special voyages. Their tall ships are 75 foot long, and I have a crew of six. So. I'm used to doing this kind of work. You're in safe hands. And uh, if you wanted to experience this as a, a prayerful, sail-orientated experience, then you'd be welcome to uh, to make an approach to me and uh, see where we can uh, accommodate you. Hmm, that's wonderful. Would you just give out the um, the details of where people can find you again, your website? Sure. I think the website is, is the best thing because you can pick up on the details there. It's sailing pilgrimages with an S on the end no dot one continuous word sailing pilgrimages in the plural dot co dot uk right and i we have quite a strong connection with walsingham um and you said that you're going to be making a stop there and i think that's something that we i'm going to try and see if we can pick up on that again and perhaps broadcast um what's what, what what's happening there but just tell us a little bit let's focus in on that that's on the 11th of april you say 11th of may 11th of May. Oh, okay, I got that wrong. Yeah, so we can't be everywhere at a weekend, unfortunately. And uh, we arrive on that East Coast um, on, on Thursday the 11th. Mm-hmm. So Thursday the 11th of May, we'll be having a, a pilgrims um, celebration at the Shrine at 4pm, which is open to anybody. And then there's a, an event where at 6pm, we're going to walk as a group of supporters into the town. And we're going to have a meal in Walsingham itself with other uh, pilgrims as part of the celebratory 100th anniversary for Stella Maris. And um, we will actually be taking the statue of Our Lady onto the boat, which will be either at Wells next to sea or Kings Lynn, hopefully Wells next to sea. Um, and the shrine is used to taking that um, statue away from the shrine. Um, they feel that that is, is part of the pilgrimage uh, way, really, that... Um, that they they're quite prepared to, to process with the um, with the statue, which is quite amazing that she'll be brought forward mm-hmm. as a statue onto the boat. Yes. Uh, and interestingly enough, we're we're going right around Britain, but we're linking both of the Marian shrines together. So there's another event in Cardigan at the shrine of our um, Our Lady of the Taper, which is uh, the other major Marian shrine in our uh, in our in Britain, and that's on Saturday the 24th of June. So there's another opportunity there to to get involved. But it's great, isn't it, that this pilgrimage, which is honouring Stella Maris, honouring Our Lady, uh, is actually linking both of our national shrines together by boat, going right round the whole of Britain. So uh, quite an incredible thing, really. We have a caller on the line. Um, let me just see. Radio Maria, hello. Hello, it's Catherine here. Hello, Catherine. Where are you calling from? I'm about 10 minutes up the road. Oh, lovely. Okay. Yeah. Your line is a bit crackly, but I think we should be able to, to um, hear what you need to say. Do you have a question for um, for Russ? It's not a question as such, but I sailed with Russ on his last round Britain trip, and I'm going to be sailing with him again oh, um, in a month or two's time, so I just want to call him and say what a privilege it is to, to be able to join him. I'm looking forward to sailing with you again, Catherine. <laughs> we had a joy last time, and uh, I'm sure it'll be just the same this time. So uh, thanks for putting yourself forward. Catherine, so we... perhaps you can uh, give some sort of experience of that to the to the other listeners, what you felt. Yeah, you I, I think it. it was just probably... 
Kevin, who joined. The line was a little bit broken there, yes, Tim. I didn't we, quite catch that, are, did you? It is getting, it is um, yes, breaking up. Um, and then we, we got up very early in the morning and we were, um, we were uh, what's, what's the word, anchored in um, an estuary. And then we sailed out just as dawn was coming. Um, and Russ was very generous. He let us sort of um, have a go with putting some up and I even got ghosts there. And just as well, that opportunity to just share about our faith, to pray for the people that we were going past. And yeah, it was just beautiful to to be in such a place and to, to be praying for the country and praying for people. Yeah. Oh, that's a lovely witness, Catherine. Thank you very much for saying that. Yes. My pleasure. Catherine, would you, um, would you in, say, for somebody who's a little bit afraid of sailing, um, do you think that uh, this is a kind of journey that you would, would caution them not to go on? No, not at all. I mean, Russ is really experienced. I, I had real confidence in, in what we were doing. And, um, you know, he asked us to do things that were really simple. And he asked us to do things which felt confidently. Mm-hmm. Um, the weather was fine when I was there. And, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was a fantastic experience. And, uh, That's wonderful. Thank you so much for the call, Catherine. Yeah, look forward to seeing you, Catherine. You stay straight. God bless you. All right, God bless. So that was Catherine on the line. Unfortunately, a bit of a crackly call, but I think we got the the gist of it, didn't we, Russ? Yeah. Yeah, she never sailed before, I don't think. It was a lot of fun to sail the last time, and I'm looking forward to that again. So this brings us to the end of our program. I wonder if you just a uh, final word um, of uh, just saying where people can find you. I know we've put that out already. Um, and then if you would end with a prayer for us, please. Yeah, for sure. So Stella Maris themselves have um, obviously sites that uh, will advertise this too. But um, at the moment, I think if you came to the, the website that I've created at sailingpilgrimages.co.uk, um, my email is is on there and my contact details. So that's the way to to get involved. But uh, Stella Morris themselves will be advertising now uh, in this run up to the start of all the celebrations that they've created, and they'll be creating um, event Eventbrite type uh, registrations for these events because they're providing catering etc. And they'd like to have a, an idea of numbers. So um, that would be wonderful. In fact, the final celebration, which I must call out, which I think is another godly incident, is, is that we wanted to finish in Portsmouth, completing the, the whole journey. And um, the cathedral, unfortunately, was taken up by another event. Well, we found out it was the Royal Navy's annual um, Sea Sunday Mass, and uh, we approached them to see if we could uh, be part of that, and they were delighted. So we're actually integrated at the finale of this whole journey into the the Royal Navy's Sea Sunday at uh, St John's Cathedral in Portsmouth at 10 o'clock on the 9th of July. So that's a super special way to finish this whole journey, and we'll process uh, to the altar with the icon that's gone round the world with trustee John Hood and that we will have hopefully taken successfully around Britain and uh, have really honoured Our Lady and uh, be taking that up as they present their white ensign onto the altar. We'll be presenting the icon of Our Lady with them and the white ensign on the same day. Thank you, Russ. Would you end with a prayer? So, Lord, I, I thank you for this time that we've had together. 
I thank you for the gift of your wonderful creation, for the gift of the wildlife that we experience, for the sky, for the clouds, for the sun, for the sea. I thank you for the skills that um, you've given me to be able to undertake this journey. But I pray for your protection, Lord, for all those that um, come on this uh, sailing pilgrimage. I ask that you touch them, Lord, and you touch me and that you take us on a journey that is one that goes deeper into your heart, helping us to understand and to have the faith to let go of our will, to make ourselves vulnerable, Lord, to place our, our trust in you. And I thank you for the work of Radio Maria. I just thank you, Lord, that um, you're enabling Radio Maria to, to be your voice on the internet, on the radio. And I just pray for them, Lord, and their continued success. And I thank you for all their listeners. And I just ask that they've been blessed during this time as we've shared and given witness to your glory and to your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.